All right, church, hey, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. Turn with me to the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 14 here this morning. Really excited uh, as we dive in this passage. If you don't have or own a Bible, there should be a hardback black one on a seat in front of you. Uh, if we have not met yet, my name is Corey. I'm one of your pastors on staff here and uh, really, excited, really excited to be bringing you the word from Luke 14 here this morning. Uh, Thank God for Jonas and Paige and their family and the work that they're doing over in Germany. Um, as he said, we do have, um, we're calling it a vision trip over to Germany here uh, at the end of July, uh, July and August, to just go and spend time with their church body. There's about seven of us going over, uh, just a few pastors and some members from the body of Christ here uh, who are leaders, and we're just going to go and be encouraged and equipped by their church, and then we're going to go and encourage and and just tell a little bit about who we are as a church to them. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that in hopes of uh, having a trip for all of us to go on. Well, not all. That's a lot of people. Yeah, they got stressed. He was like, Corey, chill out. Paige is about, about to come up here and slap me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so for a lot of us to go on uh, in 2023. So we're really, really excited about that. Uh, so as I was preparing this message here uh, this past week uh, in Luke 14, you know, I just come to learn that this text talked a lot about humility or humiliation. And uh, I want to just spend time just really quickly just enlightening uh, this congregation on how your church staff um, has been humiliated a lot over the years. So on the screen you're going to see a photo um, of a day that Rachel Patterson uh, planned out for us. Okay, that's my girl, right? But she put us through the ringer on this day. It caused a lot of humiliation for us. Uh, you know, so, so we, she uh, prompted for us a day of Staff Olympics. Okay, Staff Olympics. I know we're athletic staff, but what she put us through, whew, boy, it tore us up. It tore us up. So, so first, you know, uh, in her wisdom, as all Christian organization, organizations should do, is gather and eat Christian chicken, Chick-fil-A. So we did that, and man, we... We crushed it. Like, I had two sandwiches and some nuggets. Pastor DJ, don't be fooled by the skinny stature. Brother had like three sandwiches, two boxes of nuggets. Saying Joe Catronio, Jake, Jake Zarowski throwing down. You know, because we thought we were going to show up and play cornhole, uh, you know, and play knockout. But the first thing that Rachel had us do immediately after eating all this Chick-fil-A was a relay race. If I had a photo of, of Pastor Joe and DJ over the trash cans, I would show that. But I couldn't find it. I tried to. But instead, we did look like this when the relay race was over with. <laughs> now, let me tell you something, bro. I mean, man, it was, it was tough. Right? You see DJ over here. He's like, man, I don't know what's going on. I'm about to throw up in the phone pit. Pa Pastor Joe, I don't even know what's going on with him. But, <laughs> man, but so... So we, so the first thing Rachel had us do in this relay race was, was try, to, try to crawl out of a phone pit. So we had to run, jump in, and if you've been in a phone pit before, you know, listen, it's not very friendly, and all the more it's not friendly to a 300-pound man. So we were in there crawling, struggling, suffering. There, there was once it was me, Pastor Mark Wiley, and Robin in there, and we just said, man, I'm not coming out of here. Like, bro, it's going to take us forever. I was like, bro, I feel you. I feel you. The struggle was real. We were in so much pain. Another point of humiliation for, um, for myself, actually, was tug of war. Now, we started strong. Me, Pastor Mark, Olivia Zarowski, and Megan Hendon, we dominated in tug of war. So, as you can see here on this video. And watch Hillary. 
Let's go. No. Look at her. She didn't even try. No. She's coming over here to hit me. <laughs> you see that? Listen, she, she is truly like the, the little sister I never had. And I'm pretty sure she feels the same way about me. But so when that was over with, our team won. All the guys were like gassing me up. Corey, I bet you could be all the ladies. I was like, yeah, I got this. Those moist cookies, they can't see me. <laughs> and the result of that, here on the screen. <laughs> and, you know, and at the end, you probably heard Hill say, yeah. Yeah, you heard her. So, again, humiliated on that day. It was just hard for my pride. It was also hard for Miss Hillary's pride as you, listen, so, so first of all, I know a lot of you here probably have seen this, but for those of you who are new, I don't want to rob you of this blessing, okay? So uh, this is Miss Hillary facing her humiliation. Look at DJ, supportive husband. You got it, babe. <laughs> In the video, you can't see it, but he just like, did you get that? Did you see that? Oh, what a great husband. Man, I love it. I love it. I love it. Listen, we all in here, to some extent, have faced some sort of humbling or humiliation, right? Whether it, whether it was in a fun way or in a more serious way. We all have experienced that crossroads. Now, as we look inside of this text today... We are going to see a more serious form of humiliation if we lack humility. And I trust the Lord in this passage to really show us in our heart of hearts, are we humble towards him or are we headed down a path of eternal humiliation? So we will see in this passage that it is better to be humble on this side of heaven than to be humiliated on the other side of hell. So the goal walking away today is that we would be humble because we follow a humble God and we want to live out the character of God. So we're going to look at two points here today that circle um, around humility in this parable. And so last week, uh, Pastor Brock, as he, as he began the parable series, gave us a definition Four parables, and it's here on the screen. A parable is an extended simile or metaphor that explains aspects of spiritual truth in everyday terms. So it's important to know that as we talk about the parable here today. And why parables? Right? Why did Jesus teach in parables? Because they disclose kingdom ways to kingdom people while concealing these ways from those who are not kingdom people. And so we're going to see Jesus today get at the heart. He's going to be addressing a group called the Pharisees. And he's going to be getting at the heart of these people through this parable. And I trust and I believe for a lot of people in this room today, he's going to get at our hearts. Not me, the Holy Spirit is, period. And he's going to probably reveal to some of us, man, we need to maybe step out of this, this lie that I'm living and step into a humility under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because the humility that you face to gain that eternal reward in heaven is much more satisfying and much better than the physical reward that you're gaining here on earth and the eternal punishment that you're going to face. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So let's ask God for his help. 
as we dive into this parable, as we address the heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that we get to speak to a holy God. Lord, your, your holiness, um, your goodness is the reason why we gather, the reason why we worship, the reason why we open up this book is because you have impacted um, a lot of souls in this room, a lot of lives in this room. So God, I pray that you would just be with us today, uh, that you would just show us what we need to be shown. And for the heart that may be lost, God, I pray that you would minister to them. I pray that you would guide them appropriately. And, Lord, for the heart that's discouraged, but they love you. God, they're trying to follow you. I pray that you would encourage them uh, just to keep their eyes up, God. But ultimately, Lord, I pray that we could just leave looking at you, seeing how beautiful the character of God is. And, Lord, may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 14, let's take a look here at verse 7, the parable of the wedding feast. Now, he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Our first point here this morning is this. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Now, a lot of times we see this passage and we automatically go to the physical. Right? We automatically start applying this to ourselves in the physical realm. Right? We can tend to think that, man, if I remain humble at work, God is going to reward that. While this other person who is prideful and always trying to make a name for themselves, who is embarrassing themselves because they're always putting themselves out front, uh, they're going to fall and I'm going to rise because I'm a Christian. Or maybe we're thinking about this in the dating realm, for those of us who are dating in the room. If I just remain friends and humble while this other person, this, this other guy or girl is going over the top to get this guy or girl putting themselves out front all the time, then I'm going to come out on top with that relationship. That's not what God is promising here. He's talking about spiritual matters. And although that can work out for you at times, right, the physical realm, I think God does honor when we are humble, when we operate in humility physically, He's not promising in this passage physical prosperity, but he is promising you eternal prosperity due to your spiritual humility. So again, what God is trying to get at is the heart. And the heart shows one's direction and light of eternity. So he here is exposing the Pharisee's heart. So let's go back to verse 7. Let's read that and let's begin breaking this down here. So verse 7, now he told a parable to those who were invited. So again, these Pharisees, they were invited to this wedding feast. They're around the table. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor. I want to stop right here because I think there's a lot that we can pull from here. So these Pharisees have taken the seat and the places of honor. And listen to me, this shows the Pharisee's heart. 
the fact that they would take the places of honor, that they would assume that they're automatically in the best seat. And so what I want to do here is talk about why are they this way? Like how do they think? How do they operate? Why would they take the place of honor? And I want to do this by just pointing you to a couple of other passages. I think about Matthew chapter 23. It will be on the screen, verses 1 through 12. Um, and you might have a heading in your Bible if you ever go there that says the, the, the uh, seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. But so we see Christ here. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their flectaries broad, and their fringe is long, and they love the place of honor, like at this feast, at feast, and the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplaces, and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Shows the heart of the Pharisees. How about Luke chapter 11, just really quick, verses 42 through 44. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe these good things, mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. So you do all these external things, all these external things that make you look good, Make you look like a believer. You tell your friends that you're a Christian, but you neglect the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. They were people who outwardly perceived to have a godliness in their heart, but instead they loved themselves more than God and others, and they were in the religious business for selfish gain. Guys, we cannot read that and not observe our own hearts. And I do trust that there's a lot of people in this room with a genuine faith, but I'm not a fool to believe that everybody in here has that genuine faith. I know some of you are walking around your hallways in school, and you got people fooled. You're walking around the workplace, and you have people fooled. Listen, I am all about just being blunt, because when I'm blunt, I'm clear. Listen, I love you, but we, we got to figure this out, man. We care for your soul. That's what matters. And so, therefore, it's worth being humble, repenting from that, seeking after the Lord for your exaltation in heaven, not on this earth. Verse 8, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. So here's the warning. 
Okay, here's the warning from Jesus. He's telling these men through the parable that they will be humiliated similar to someone who took the best seat at a wedding feast when that was never their place to take. And again, these Pharisees thought highly of themselves spiritually when they should have thought low of themselves. But they saw themselves as high. I'm already in heaven when they didn't have a heavenly heart. Verse 9. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Just imagine physically how humiliating that would be to go to this awesome wedding, and you sit beside the bride and groom, and then someone comes up to you and is like, and then you have to walk over and shame to the kids' table. Right? That would be absolutely humiliating. And so God is warning these Pharisees uh, in all honesty. Like, listen, like, I mean, you are going to find yourself in eternal humiliation. You need to get this right. Repent from your sin. Find the Lord. Humble yourself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what we see about God here in verse 9 is that God is the person who will put us to shame if we are not humble, living for Jesus. He is a holy God. He cannot tolerate sin. He knows the heart. We may think our heart is hidden, but he sees it, every aspect of it. And he cannot tolerate the sin of us on the external, looking like we got it all figured out. But on the internal, we have no love in, you know, for Jesus, no relationship with his church. And eternally, all will be exposed. These Pharisees, they think they have the secret spiritual sauce. And they deserve the prestige here on earth, but Jesus is making it known. You do not have ears to hear. You're headed for a dark day of exposure. Come their judgment with the Father. Now, for us in the room, where do we need to humble ourselves spiritually? I think we have to ask ourselves that. Okay? Where do we need to humble ourselves spiritually? Are we perceiving to be something that we are not? Do we perceive to have a faith that does not exist inside of us? Again, I know for a lot of you, this does not apply, but for some of you, it does. And if this doesn't apply to you, and if you're checking out, pray for those who it may affect. Do we know the lingo? Do we know how to pray to look good and like a Christian, but in our heart of hearts, we don't love Jesus? And we know that acting like a Christian is only gain for our reputation. For ourselves, are we acting like a Christian so that we can get the girl or the guy that we really like, and then when we get married, we, we can finally expose ourselves? Do we have a fake faith where we just want the social status or want to fit in with the Christian crowd because of some fake gain and have an unremorseful, unrepentant lifestyle of sin? I didn't say you weren't struggling. We all in this room have to combat and battle sin. But you have this unremorseful, unrepentant, I don't care what Jesus thinks, lifestyle of sin. With no evidence of Jesus present outside of when we are with our Christian peers. Warning, you will be humiliated unless you humble yourself, truly humble yourself to Jesus. Because everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled. It made me think about this guy um, who I played college football with. He only lasted a year. just when you talk about prideful and arrogant and entitled, this guy would fit that mold. And so he came and he was a freshman. And after the season, we went into our offseason. I know we have a lot of former college athletes in the room. And, you know, the offseason always begins just, I mean, it's brutal. 
And so we begin our offseason with our 5.30 in the morning workouts in January. Uh, and so this guy, you know, we would get up and do this thing called basic training. It wasn't basic. It was horrible. And, um, and so we do the first one. And as a leader of my position group during that time, this guy was nowhere to be found. So I noticed that. So the next day, the afternoon workouts, I asked him, hey, bro, like, you know, when our team asked him, like, where were you at? He was like, oh, I was asleep, man. I'm, you know, man, I'm chilling. I'm lazy. I'm not doing that. It's for the birds. Okay. So then the next day, the same thing happened. The next week, it continued to happen. Prideful, entitled. And he was a kid from a very prestigious, nationally ranked high school out of Florida. He was a decent player. Um, but then a few weeks later, we get word from our coach that they had a really tough meeting with this young man and that they took away his full ride scholarship because he wouldn't humble himself uh, to just get his lazy butt up in the mornings and to go to workouts and suffer with everyone else. And so, and the coach said he was in front of me begging for another opportunity and in just tears crying his eyes out because he was going back to Florida in humiliation. Similar to us in this spiritual life, guys, we, we need to heed that warning. For those, of us, for those of us in this room who just think, man, we got time, and we got time. Or I don't really care. Like, I'm going to live my life, and I want to be exalted here on earth. Humble yourself under Jesus. Because when the time comes, you're going to wish I have family members that I talk to on a consistent basis. They don't know Jesus. I'm like, bro, you getting hammered on the weekends, you, you fighting people, you doing these drugs, it's not worth it. It looks miserable. And you smell bad. Like, like it's not worth it. Man, like, and just know, like, why would you want to build eternal treasures on this earth, even in the best of places? If you go to Naples, Florida, bro, there's still cockroaches. I hate cockroaches. You go to anywhere on the beach, I'm a beach guy. Anywhere on the beach, you're going to see bugs, litter. It's hot. I like the heat, but it is hot. I, you know, uh, like why? When you have perfection coming for you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Humble yourself now under the lordship of Jesus. That made me think about Mark chapter 8, right? Again, for those in the room who may not trust that Christ is enough. Just, again, another warning for us. Mark 8, 35 to 37. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Now, the beautiful thing about this parable is that we get to see a God who has lived a humble, like he's had a humble existence. Christ humbled himself to the lowest places so that we can take that example. And honestly, so that we can submit to that and have great hope. So as we continue uh, to read this parable, may we see how good Jesus is. Verse 10, Luke 14. I got to find it. There it is. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
Our second thing today, if you're taking notes, is everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Everyone, everyone, everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. And when I think about humility in this, living for Jesus and nothing else matters. Your life, you are centered, you, you are focused on King Jesus and nothing else matters. What matters comes after eternity. I love verse 10 because it shows us a wonderful God who was humble that we could take example from. So verse 10, it says, go and sit in the lowest place. And what I love about that is that we have this example from Jesus all throughout the Gospels, how Christ positioned himself in the lowest of places, around the lowest of people, and their lowest of times. You think about how he positioned himself around adulterers that were outcast. You think about how he spent time around tax collectors and the blind, the lame, the sick. Some of us in this room won't even do a hospital visit because of the way that we would look. And Jesus spent all of this time around these people. True humility flows from the heart of God. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 explains that well for us. As you think about a humble God, and may we worship in our hearts and our minds as we read this passage. But he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Completely emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Right? He humbled himself in human form. So when he did stuff on this earth, his nails got dirty. When he took a jog, his feet got calloused. He felt the same things that we felt. He humbled himself from perfection in heaven to what we have on this earth. Dirty, terrible, sin everywhere, sadness, depression. He put himself amongst us for the purpose of what? So that we may have life. He loved us that much that we may have life, that we may find life by putting faith in him and crying out to him, Abba, Father, be the Lord of my life. And he promises you this, this eternal joy with him when we leave these bodies on this earth, when he calls us home. This is humility from our God. He came down to do that for us, for us. And so when he says, go and sit in the lowest place, we should really grasp that. So he says, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. So God is saying that when you live the humble lifestyle on earth, a submitted lifestyle to him, your exaltation is coming. Right, just how cool would it be if we get to heaven one day and say, man, because of your suffering, here is your mansion for staying true to me. He says, man, because you were physically harmed on earth for the sake of my name, if you like vehicles, here is your GTX V8 
Jesus Christ wagon, low mileage, I don't know. You may not need that in heaven. I don't know. But, but, but just like, I mean, those things are coming for us. That eternal exaltation. Who cares about recognition on this earth? And I know it's hard, man. When you work hard, when you parent hard, when you love an unbelieving spouse hard and they say, I don't want to have nothing to do with it, it, bro, it becomes taxing. But do not grow weary. Remain steadfast in the Lord. Keep your eyes up. Your ministry, your work that goes unseen, keep your eyes up. Because who are we doing it for? Come on now. We're doing it for him. Don't grow weary. I love the end of verse 10 where he says, you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. That's the recognition that we'll have when eternity comes. When we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And all will know, everybody will know that you were a good and faithful servant for all of eternity. For all of eternity. So do we have this humility that will bring exaltation to us in the future? Because being humble now is so worth it and is better than the life that will bring us eternal humiliation. Again, everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. This past weekend, uh, myself and about 15 other people from this church went uh, to East Washington Street to serve at Shepherd's Community. Um, and uh, so we did our Indianapolis mission trip here this weekend. So that's the group there. I didn't know Michael Crowley was get, giving me the bunny ears. So I have to get him for that one. Um, but, man, we, we had a time. And as you can see here, right, people in tears as we pray and share the gospel, um, the, the joy of handing out food to people in, in need, it was a blessing to us. And although we did some fun things, some exciting things this weekend to try to get the gospel out, uh, coming alongside of what they're already doing, I don't believe in being the suburban savior here. I don't believe in being the American savior. When we go places, like when we go to Jonas, we're figuring out how can we partner alongside of their church to spur on their gospel mission and their context. But anyway, what I was impressed by this weekend were the people that we served with at Shepherd's Community. They devoted their lives to a context of people that a lot of us will never even meet or rub shoulders. Actually, we criticize because they may have political differences or because they look a certain type of way or they smell different than we do. Or our taxes go to pay for their food when they're stuck in generational poverty. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. So, so we went to go serve these people. And what we love to see was the example of the people who just for years, for decades, have labored and loved these people and the relationship that they have. And the people on Sunday that got baptized because of the faithful just service from these people. And you know what? I know these people don't have a pharisaical heart because nobody will ever see them do this. Ever see them do this. And they're not asking for people to see it. They're not making post on social media. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're not highlighting everything that they do. They're not trying to go and, and they're not getting bitter about, man, I wasn't seen. No one praised me today because you know why? Their eyes are up. And that is said to not be condemning, but to encourage the believer in the room who has been laboring for so long, who has been struggling. Who, who are, are going 
on a path that they know God has called them to where the season may just feel super dry. And there may be no fruit coming from that. Just look up. Be encouraged. Keep pressing forward. Humble yourself to what Christ has called you to. Your exaltation is coming. It's coming in the kingdom. Just persist in these things. We're going to go into a time of communion. Actually, before that, plot twist, one last slide. (laughs) If there's anything I want you to gain from this, and we said it the whole, the whole message, but he who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, we are going to go into a time of communion, and that is a remembrance of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body. So the Bible tells us that we are not to partake in this time in an unworthy manner, but to examine ourselves. This time is for believers only, for the Christians in the room. And so this is a time for us to confess what needs to be confessed and repent of what needs to be repented of. Look at your life in the light of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So what I want to do is just take a moment and let's do that. Let's go to him quietly, repent where we need to repent. Take this time in a worthy manner of Jesus Christ. So let's take some time and do that now. Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If you all could please stand to your feet with me. And, you know, I think coming out of a message like this, just a couple of things to reiterate. If you don't know Christ in the room, if as we read and talked about the pharisaical heart and you identified that that is you, I mean, it's as easy as Romans 10, 9, and 10. To surrender your heart over to the Lord. Say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And again, I can guarantee you, as well as every other believer in Jesus in this room, that that is the path that you want to take. Because nothing here will compare to even just having a quiet time with Jesus. And then all the more we get what comes in the future in heaven and being able to be with him in the perfect marriage. And for the believer in this room, if your life again, if it's easy, praise God for that. I mean, you know, I'm not going to knock you for that. But if you are struggling, if you are discouraged and you're pressing forward to Jesus, keep your eyes up. Gaze on the Lord. And just let him 
guide you. Walk with believers. I think about Psalm chapter 1 where David says, my delight is in the saints of the land. And I believe he's talking about the body of Christ. Because why? They help keep his eyes up to Jesus. And a man who had a very difficult life running from murderers and all of these things. Keep our eyes up. Church, you are loved. You are sent. Have a great week.